0: Welcome back to another episode of the Flight School Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Turner Medlicott, joined as always by Adrian Walker and Jonah Wasi. And how are y'all doing today? Oh, I'm I'm
1: uh, struggling, but we're good overall. I mean, uh, struggling has just been a constant for about, you know, 11 months. But overall, it's been a busy day. Looking forward to chatting a little bit about some... Uh... Actually, I'm not looking forward to chatting about what we're, talk- we're talking about, but <laughs> We're we're struggling, Turner. We're struggling.
2: Yeah, uh, kind of the same sort of sort of vibe for me over here. Uh, it has been just exceptionally busy. It's gonna be really busy today, tomorrow, the next day. Might lighten up a little bit over the weekend, and then it's gonna be really busy next week. I just don't know when it's not gonna be busy. It's just a busy world, busy life, and and. I too am not necessarily looking forward to what we're about to talk about a little. I am, I am for what we're going to start with, but what we're going to get into as a result uh, not looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause I came in to this week being like, Oh man, I can't wait to talk about the heels on the pod. And then yesterday happened. We'll talk about what happened yesterday and this week has happened um and after today i get to find out whether my students get to come back in person or not and when they're coming back in person so we're all in a, just a weird place uh yeah, which yeah, i actually it, talked with the Cherokee central school superintendent today about just that idea
1: of they, they're thinking they come back in like six weeks but <laughs> we'll see they've also tried to come back two other times so
0: yeah my, <laughs> i mean what
2: will end up happening is students will come back they'll be there for a week. Uh, COVID. Uh, someone will test positive for COVID and then they'll all ship everyone back home again. And then you'll do another month or two of waiting and then see what happens after that.
0: Yeah. So I'm not particularly looking forward to whatever the next month holds, but to get us out of the dumps, at least at first, let's talk about the UNC's victory over Duke this past Saturday, which is a huge bright spot. And I, I want us to get excited about this because That was such a stressful, but typical UNC Duke game, lots of fun, Um, high scoring, which I didn't expect because both of these teams are not too great and the heels have not scored anywhere close to 90 points this season, Uh, but we won 91 to 87 Um, and in large part to, to the emergence of Finally, a fantastic uh, Caleb Love game. Um, what stood so, out to y'all other than than his performance from I mean, ju-
1: Just like kind of you mentioned, it, it, it really surprised me, and it shouldn't have because, as we've always say, the UNC Duke game always delivers. Um Despite the fact that they were two teams that have been struggling now defensively. Did they struggle? Yes. Turnovers Both terrible. terrible. Both of them were terrible taking care of the ball, but in terms of making shots, these two teams shot the lights out at different points of the game. And that's just not something either one of them had done. And uh, just kind of echoing what you mentioned it's the, it was the Caleb love game. And um, just like Adrian, and I said, Adrian and I talked about, you know, there's going to be a star it's going to be RJ Davis and Andrew Playtech, And we knew that, you know, <laughs> and they combined for three points. And I think one of seven shooting or something. So, you know, we have no idea what we're talking about, but neither do any Carolina fans, obviously, because how much slack did uh Caleb love get early in the season? People were saying bench him. People were saying, he just needs to sit out for the rest of the year. Obviously they didn't mean that, but the, people hated what they saw out of Caleb love. And I figured it was a little too early, though I admitted he was underperforming. For he he would admit that, but uh, he was truly outstanding, and that is the best freshman guard performance I've seen against Duke. And I don't even remember the last time it was better than Kobe. Kobe was good, but he was so
2: hit or miss. He had the most
0: points since Hansborough, pretty sure, right? And he was the the one of the only, if not the first, UNC player in history. To score twenty-five points and seven assists against Duke, which like, <laughs> talk about elite territory. Like you're the only one or one of few. Hey, think about ever. all the point guards that have come through this program. I'm not
2: like elite point guards, college level point guards. That is, um, just just over the past two decades, there's been several that should that could have been capable of of pulling off that that sort of performance, but didn't. And that's would a- Love it
1: that's something for you he tied the unc record for most points um by a freshman in their first game against duke do you guys know who the who he tied for that record raymond felton (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't have guessed raymond felton but hey you know what (laughs) he uh it just goes to show but again as you know raymond felton difficult nba career college legend with national champion and one of the ACC's best point guards. But now getting back to him, his, he still made a couple bad mistakes, but what he had in this game that he hasn't had on on near the, nearly that level, the rest of the season was confidence. The amount of confidence he had to pull up for threes, which he was open for most of the time, but he stepped into it. It looked great coming out of his hand.
0: He shot 80% from three, four and five.
1: And I, He was shooting something like 30% from the floor (laughs) a little earlier in the season. So seeing that, now I don't expect him to do that the rest of the season, and I hope it's a stepping stone, but you can't expect anywhere near that level of production. Now, if he does, great. But uh, it really was the Caleb Love game, and it could bode well, hopefully, for the Heels moving forward. But uh, as we were mentioning, there are some other issues, but we can get to those in a minute.
2: Yeah, I think something that I, I think we have maintained on this podcast is throughout the year, we've all been disappointed in Caleb love for differing reasons. Um, but we've all maintained the, the, the idea that he should start. He should start because he's that talented. And, and it's, it's a matter of figuring out the offense and figuring out how to be a point guard in Roy Williams offense. And not just that figuring out how to be a point guard. I mean, he wasn't a point guard, in high school, he was a combo guard. He was a scoring guard. Um, so figuring out how to run the point exclusively um, is a task in itself. And then figuring out Roy Williams' offense um, is, is another whole other animal. So it, it was really refreshing to, to finally see him kind of figure it out, have at least one game click. Um, the one thing that I was looking for coming into the UNC Duke game was I felt like if we had at least one or two guys who could kind of establish themselves as leaders we would have a good chance at winning that game and I felt like Caleb Love stepped up in a big 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 way Um, but I would say the leader of the team was Garrison Brooks um, which every time he's done that this season it's resulted in only positive
0: things for the heels We've, we played our best basketball when he has led the team. Um, and before we move off of Caleb Love, Caleb Love, I do want to point out, I feel like so many people sort of glossed over it because it was a tight game and he just had such a, like, you know, overall uh, great performance. He had a poster in that game. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, there were several like posters. Nasty poster. There were several posters, but he had the only one that was, you know – uh with the foul kind of uh, it's on foul but that i mean that's the kind of stuff that puts you in unc legend
1: well that one and then he had a couple of those just like season highlight level plays in one game i mean there's that one there's just as you mentioned eight shooting 80 from three is enormous i think my favorite play though i mean this stuff it's between the steal and a poster both had to do with they on sharp the other one was the the fast break lob when i thought Caleb was about to travel or pull from twenty eight. Either way, I was like, "What in the world are you doing, boy?" And then he like let, jumped off one foot and kind of pushed the ball towards the towards the basket. And Dayron came flying through the damn air and slammed it home. Or was that no? That was Mondo, wasn't it? It, it was, was Mondo. Yeah. it was Mondo. Dayron had the uh, one handed put back that absolutely, which was a monstrous stuff That one went kind of you know it went under the radar too. I don't know, Mondo was more of the leader in the second half um, for me because I, I was pissed. Yeah. Oh yeah. You were very mad. so was I. Garrison was great in the first half, but he kind of shied away a little bit. He was good defensively overall, but in the, yeah. in the second half, he shied away. I think he only finished with 12 points, which I think he had 10 in the first half. So in um, the Mondo, I think only had like two points in the first half ended up with 16. So they kind of ch- traded back and forth. And De'Ron was making splash plays throughout and then, I feel we have to mention him. We have talked about him a lot. Kerwin Walton was huge, and he he's he at the floor and he hit some clutch threes.
2: Yeah, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of bank off of your whole it was Garrison first half, Armando second half, because uh, that was that was the eventual point I was gonna get to, which is coming into the game I was looking for a singular leader, and at, in the first half I was like, finally I think Garrison's got it figured out and then he kind of slacked off in the second half and Armando picked it up and what that made me realize is it's not we don't need one particular leader so long as we have a leader on the floor any given night I think we can be successful um and what that game showed me was that we have a couple of players that are capable of leading the team on any given night. You can have Garrison lead. You can have Armando lead. If Caleb Love keeps on playing the way he's playing, he will become a leader. I mean, he has to facilitate and lead the offense in a sense. So um, if he keeps up that level of play, which we I don't think any of us really expect him to play that well, uh, but if he can keep up a a good level of play, um, then he can kind of become a leader for that team as well. And that bodes well for success moving forward.
0: Assuming we still have a moving forward, yeah, and I I think we we've we've been hinting at that. So the last thing I want to say about the UNC Duke game, um, other than it's hilarious because Duke lost again today and now they have a losing record. That's really nine. Um, is that I one of the things I had said uh, a week or two ago is that I wanted Armando to take charge and become the guy the leading scorer um and it was apparent when he was aggressive in the second half that we were playing much better than what he did in the first half Uh, but looking at this box score I don't know if that's necessarily the truth either just like a singular leader isn't going to be where this team thrives I think this team is going to thrive when multiple guys are the number one option when it allows for them I don't think there's Necessarily the guy. Um, maybe that'll change. But if you look at the starters, every starter scored in double figures. Leaky Black <laughs> scored in double figures, uh, despite having four fouls. Um, him and Kerwin shot a hundred percent from the floor, Dayron shot a hundred percent from the floor. Um, and so many of the looks that we got were great looks. Um, and that I think is what we can build off of is handing it to the guy that's hot when they're hot and when they can take charge. But I don't think there's anyone established enough on this team yet, just because of how this team's constructed to always be that guy. Um, and the season's kind of shown that. Um, but this game showed us that we can rely on any of those guys to step up at any time. And that's, what's important.
1: No, absolutely. I th- I, think, I think they're still thirsting for a leader. I really think they do. Um, I think they need Garrison because the team really did just look better overall when Garrison was yep. the way he was. Um, that Ormondo just really needs to establish himself as that guy. But it just seems he lacks uh, a consistency about him to be able to keep it up on a night-to-night basis, um, as we saw by the Clemson game, which let's just hope was a bit of a fluke. Um, as you know, we scored 50 points against Clemson. We dropped 91 at Cameron Indoor. It might've just been one of those, you know, slumps. It happens. Um, but, uh, it's still a fascinating team that I still think has a pretty high ceiling, but also has a really low floor, um, in terms of where they're going to finish the season.
2: And I, I, just to, just to kind of finish up your, or follow up your point, Jonah, I think it'll give us a nice transition into the next, uh, segment. I think the only player on this team that has real maturity is Garrison, um, which, is, which is why if he can establish himself, like really uh, establish himself as a leader of the team moving forward. Because um, like Jonah said, in the first half, I would argue that's when our team looked the best. That's when UNC looked the best was when Garrison was not only a leader, like emotionally, but he was also a leader on the court. Um, but I think a lot of that comes down to maturity as well and and Garrison has that maturity. He's a senior. Um, and he's he's been around the block. And I hope moving forward that that continues to be the case.
0: Yeah, and I think moving forward, he will need to be the leader, not only for his performance on the court um, but, based on the events of yesterday, he needs to be the one that basically gets, gets the group back focused and back making the right decisions. Um, if you didn't see yesterday, um, or over the weekend, uh, a video surfaced of, um, a couple of the players specifically in the video, um, Armando and De'Ron, um, with some friends uh, seem to be in their apartment or housing or wherever, um, celebrating the win. Um, but of course, with, with others and, and maskless, um, it was kind of hard to understand the context, but uh, the following day on Monday, we saw the Miami game get postponed um, due to Miami being uncomfortable playing the game against UNC based on uh, that video being released. Um, and in the meantime, um, we can we can talk about what the response was from the media. I'm less interested in that to be honest. Um, but today we got a statement from the players and I won't read it quote for quote, uh, but they apologized. Um, notably they they apologized to Coach Williams for some of them not coming forward when the video first surfaced, which means that, more than just Armando and De'Ron were involved uh, in that scenario. Um, that they had made a mistake, it was inexcusable, um, and that they hope that they can stay safe uh, and continue playing um, and just be better moving forward, I think, is sort of the the general points of that um, statement, uh, which was then a followed up, of course, by a statement from Coach Williams that, said i'll read that one quote for quote because it's short but he said i appreciate the players voicing their apology they made a mistake they've been fantastic for more than eight months and the way they have dealt with the whole situation but they realized they made a mistake for which they are paying a very significant price so that's where we're at today the miami game of course didn't happen yesterday um no word on whether it will actually happen um and the game Saturday against Virginia is still scheduled, but again, sort of not completely certain whether that's going to continue to happen or whether there will be a longer pause going forward. Um, and that's a lot to, to come off of the, the highs of the Duke game. Um, so where, where does this, what were y'all's reactions and where does this team go from here?
1: I mean, personally, I was very disappointed just knowing that we've talked about it before. You know, UNC basketball generally recruits and requires a certain level of integrity. And I'm not saying that they don't have integrity, but there, there's a level of responsibility with this pandemic that we all had to kind of uh, manage and labor and we're exhausted. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this, it's been 11 months. I get it. I really do. Um, and these kids are 19, 18, 20 years old. I, I do understand. I mean, we were in their shoes not too long ago, but I, I think I immediately thought of Coach Williams and, like, one of those things is, like, I hope Roy has the vaccine at this point, but, you know, Roy's in the 70s. Um, if something they did risked his life, you know, they would never forgive themselves, and I don't think they were taking it that way. I don't think they thought it through. Um, they let themselves uh, get too excited. Which is hard after the Duke game, the game they've been thinking about for years, their their whole lives, if they've been UNC fans, is playing in that game. Beating Duke at Cameron Indoor should be the most you're allowed to celebrate, maybe in your entire life for some of these kids, especially these seniors. Um, And they're just and they're told, put your backpack on, go home, go to bed, get ready to study the next day. Don't worry about it. It's like that's near impossible. (laughs) <laughs> they got to get it out somehow, whether they're you go hang out with just themselves. And you know what? I like to believe that that was their initial plan. And they might have had a few a few real close buddies that they see, maybe from other sports. Who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe a couple of them had their significant others or something over. And then it just they they invited a friend. And just like that, there's 20 people that were part of the team there. You know, Um I think they had the right intentions in their mind but at the end of the day they made a very grave mistake and i think it begs in the question for me the biggest issue is what you mentioned turner who is is i me and a and after you thought of it too it's like it's you can't we don't know the context if we slam those two it's like and sure enough it probably was multiple players and it it was at least more than in the video that, as they mentioned It might have been the whole damn team, you know, um, or half of them. And from that point, what do you do? Suspend them? I don't think you can, unless you just forfeit games. Um, I'd like to hear from you guys. Sorry, I rambled a bit, but I would say I would not be surprised if Miami requests a forfeit from the ACC. I don't think they will do that, um, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised at all if the ACC implemented that act, because UNC players did it themselves, you know?
2: Yeah. Um, it is – it's exceptionally difficult because – it's, it's, it's difficult to evaluate this situation uh, based off of most of the things that Jonah just said. Um, I mean, like, we were all at, uh, at UNC just a couple years ago. I mean, we've all experienced beating Duke. Um we we all experienced national championship. Like it we understand the the joy and excitement that comes out of out of winning one of those games. Um but at the same time, we've almost been living in in, in quarantine and through this pandemic for a year now it's it's almost a year to the day. Um, March 11th was when the NBA shut down um, and and all the other things that happened subsequently after. And it's February 9th, so that's uh, it's two days uh, in a month away from 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 a year removed. So it's just you you would think after nearly a year, people would have kind of figured it out. It is as much as you want to party, as much as you want to enjoy being in a social setting, as much as you want to be around friends and and those you care about, and you want to sell. I mean, like like joda said, celebrating against Duke or celebrating a national championship or anything of, of that magnitude, it's one of the biggest like parties of your life. So it's one of the it's one of the happier moments. Um, but sometimes you just can't. And this is one of those times. Um, and, and it is frustrating because the players have worked, like they said, for eight months. Um, or like Roy said, for eight months to, to stay out of this situation, to, remo- to keep themselves from this exact situation. Um, and all it took was one slip up or one mistake. And it could have severe implications for the rest of the season um which is just unfortunate cuz you you work the players worked extremely hard to get to this point and it could be it could be muted now like uh, ev- what they've done this season could could suffer um because of of one uh ill advised party yeah sucks and i, I think but, well, go ahead sir sorry
0: yeah as i say, i think both of you've sort of summed up where I've ended up um, after hearing this news. Uh, I'll be totally upfront when I first saw the news I was I was angry um, and I'll think that anger was was totally deserved by, by the players. Um, but at the same time I was coming from from a position where um, UNC basketball and, and UNC in general and you know it definitely does not always live up to this but they're supposed to be to a little bit of a higher standard. Um, than everybody else. That's sort of what this program um, has, has supposed to have represented um, in the past. And so having that high sort of, you know, be bittersweet with this news was, was, was frustrating. Um, but at the same time, you, you do have to take context into account Um, It doesn't excuse any of the actions. And I mean, they're going to face the consequences. They had their game canceled. There could be suspensions. um, There could be a forfeit involved. There could be more cancellations. We just don't know yet. Um, But, you know, the way the Duke game ended last year um, and the way the season ended last year and to just have, I understand that desire to, to celebrate with people you care about. You know, it, it would have been a one thing if they would have been at a frat party or something with a bunch of random people, but it, it seemed from what it's been reported that it was with people they were close with. Um, doesn't excuse it, but it just, it's tough. This past year has been tough, like y'all have said. And it's really disappointing and frustrating to see them make this mistake because it could have been easily prevented. They should have known better. Um, but we're, where we're at and it's going to kill a little bit of the momentum you take from the Duke game because it doesn't it, kill a little bit. It kills pretty much all of the momentum because even if you play this, this game on Saturday, um, you don't know exactly, you know, who's going to be playing, um, do the players involved, uh, if they're starters, um, like an Armando, um, do they get benched? Is that their punishment? Do they get suspended? Uh, I don't know. Um, the one thing I, w- I will say, um, and then I'll let y'all chime in again, is I don't know if a forfeit is, is the right answer from the ACC. Um, and I can understand Miami's positioning. They were in Chapel Hill. They had already flown. They were eating their pregame meal when they found out about the video and made the decision. Um, but... I think it does sort of set a precedent that's a little unstable as far as the future Um, because where, like, you know, where do you draw the line with preemptive cancelization? Because this this is different than any other cancelization or postponement we've seen this year just in the fact that it wasn't that, oh, they found out someone that was with them tested positive or was a close contact or something like that. This was, we saw someone violating safety guidelines, and we're we're preemptively postponing this game, which was the right decision. Absolutely, they they absolutely should have, um, but I just don't know if the ACC at least will will choose to make it a forfeit just because I don't think they want to have to deal with the mess that could create for the future. I
1: mean, maybe uh, the, that's the kind of the problem with collegiate sports. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If it was, um, you know, James Harden, he'd get fined fifty thousand dollars, and they move on. You know, they can't do anything to the team really. Um, that's how the NBA works because they're professionals. Um, it's not how college works. You can either su- do suspend them, but again, my thing is we don't know how many people it was. You, if it was three players, yeah, you could suspend them all. But if it was eight. You can't play it. Team, you can't play a game with like six players it's just medically dangerous to do that and i, I would you could probably rather forfeit the game than do something like that so i'm not really sure it just really depends on the numbers um and responsibility that people are going to be taking in that regard uh the other thing i'll say is I, i'm not any more disappointed in them as it were when you talk about dampening the mood i was just as dampened in my mood after seeing you know both students but also adults rush franklin street after we after we beat duke you know probably as we mentioned probably the worst duke carolina game in recent history in terms of rankings and everything yet you still have idiots running out there and probably you know drinking beer in the street and hugging up on each other it's just i don't get it it's the same reaction i had whenever uh notre dame stormed the field after beating clinton like i it, it it's not the first time it's happened but it's like what is wrong with you people like i just don't get it and i think it just comes to a length where i I read obviously it's not a unique opinion but it's just a great one i saw that someone put posted about saying um those the people doing that are the same reason that we're in the current situation that we are you know we wouldn't still be a year in this if we didn't have all these crazy people out in the street you know Doing probably doing body shots behind the bushes kind of thing, you know. Like I don't really understand the it's the level of immaturity and selfishness from particularly Americans, but uh, across the world a lot of, but particularly Americans, we're the best at being selfish, um, at just kind of disrupting everyone else's lives for the sake of your own. And that's why I'm not as disappointed in the boys and those players because they are no worse. And they're probably doing it better than, any, than all those other people that, you know, nothing's going to happen to them except for maybe they're going to get COVID and give it to a bunch of other people. But in terms of co- like being just nothing is to them. So that's a lot. I on it. It's yeah. all around.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. I And I, I definitely agree with you there, Jonah. Um, I was, I've been trying to kind of put how I feel into a sentence because it's it's hard to explain it i think i kind of got it it's along the lines of i sympathize but that doesn't excuse it i don't i don't excuse what um what the team did or what like jonah said the the people who rushed franklin street did i it's i mean it's visibly frustrating for all of us we're all visibly upset because it's just we've been in this situation for so long now. it's just you feel like you'd learn it, yeah it, it's it's not that difficult to read the room after eleven months of having of, of forcibly being uh uh forcibly having to read the room so um it just comes down to to misjudgment and and it's unfortunate because it's going to have implications on the rest of the season, no matter what Roy decides. Um, his very significant price is uh, for the players, and and it's just unfortunate. And yeah. looking at this from a basketball
1: perspective, the only thing I could really see the significant price being is probably, you know, they're dying right now because they probably just ran forty miles in the space of two hours. Like, yep, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't really know what that price is going to be, it might be suspensions, might be benchings, we'll see. Uh, we can only speculate and that's kind of dangerous. What I can look at is realistically, how does this affect the schedule? How does this affect the season? You can't replay the Miami game. Unfortunately, like when you look at it logistically, the next games are Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Monday, Saturday. You could wedge a game in between that Monday Saturday game, but that's dangerous. That's a lot. That's dangerous, and that's a lot of basketball. And then you also have to account for ACC schedules and this that, and the other. And what's Miami's schedule? I don't even have it in front of me. Like how? How? What are they gonna do? You couldn't play on Wednesday if they're playing on Tuesday, you know. And then looking at it also realistically, the games they have left: UNC's fighting for a spot. Virginia, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Boston College, Florida State, Syracuse, and Duke. I would not be shocked if the heels lost four of the four of those games at this point, like I genuinely wouldn't be surprised just from a basketball perspective, taking away all the politics of this, that's just kind of
0: outstanding how quickly our mood switched on the season. Well, yeah. And, and the other thing, even if you try to, like you said, wedge that Miami game in there, I think from Miami's perspective, they don't have it. I mean, always as a team, you always have something to play for, but from just a, you know, uh, pretty brunt perspective. um, They're a bottom of the league ACC team that's had injuries and other things keep players out this year. We need that game against them for our tournament hopes just to get another win on our resume, you know, another win on the win-loss column. They don't really need that game against us. So if I were Miami, to be honest, I really wouldn't be working all that hard to, to reschedule that game if I were them. Um, we'll see what they decide, but it was our fault that the game got postponed. It's not on them to figure out how to play it. And it's actually not on them considering the position that they're in. Um, but how else this affects us basketball wise is just it remains to be seen. Um, all that we do know is that we have a really tough stretch coming up. And like we've said a, a, a million times, most of the positives that we could take away from the Duke game have been muted, if not just taken away for right now. Um, and that, that's, that sucks. (laughs) There's no, there's no, uh, silver lining really about that. Um, other than I hope this team grows from it, learns from it, um, and relies on each other to hold each other accountable from here on out. Um, and that's the best way you could you could go from this scenario.
2: There is one thing that I'll say and this is this is spec this is pretty speculative and and looking forward um but if this if Roy's punishment is severe enough that it pretty much nullifies the rest of this season um there is a chance that more players than we expect on this team could come back next season as just, just uh, to, to redeem what would be a loss season. If, if the punishments are severe enough, um, we could see Dayron Sharp come back and we could see Caleb Love come back. Um, we could see all, all a couple of the players that maybe we expect to leave come back as a result of kind of losing a season. Um, or at least the back half of a season that had at least some promise now um, after the, after the Duke games uh, victory, that's, that's one silver lining you could maybe take out of it, but it's very, it's highly speculative. Um, And like I said, we don't really know what Roy's punishments are going to be yet. So it's hard to judge.
0: If I was going to say if there's space um, and the season is lost from here on out, I could see Garrison Brooks being like, I want, another year like my senior year got ruined um either by we don't know who all was involved so either by mistakes of his own or mistakes of his teammates and him going i want that year back i want to run it back because we had something and i want to try one more time um but we just we just don't know we don't know i would say i wouldn't expect
1: A a suspension of the season, personally. Like, obviously, they messed up, but I don't want to be over speculative. But how do you think they've been positives at these uh, other universities? (laughs) Do you think they just spontaneously came out of nowhere and the bubble got pierced because COVID can fly in from miles away? Or do we really think nobody else has gone out and gotten COVID and brought it back to their team? I mean, we're being honest here. If we really think that COVID has just come out of nowhere. And why there has been twenty suspensions of ACC play, and this, that, and the other. I just don't expect just because people were caught on camera. Now that does change things, of course. But just because there is video, say they come back negative for a full week. I mean, I don't. I don't think they're any more guilty than those other programs. Like, I'm not trying to defend the boys right now. As we mentioned, I'm disappointed. I'm not happy with the situation. But what they what UNC has done I don't think is significantly worse than what a lot of programs have. Louisville had a full, like, athletics party first weekend on campus. Yep. They've had a full season. So I don't expect anything else um, significant to happen that isn't coming from Roy. I think they match the basic standards of ACC guideline um, that were provided because they're very loose. And I think if Roy doesn't offer a suspension, the ACC doesn't offer a forfeit, as long as uh, enough po- enough negative tests come in, and Virginia's is willing to play, I think the season restarts then. Personally, that's how I see this going down. We'll, um, da- we'll, mood, mood dampen or not?
2: Yeah, and we'll see. It, it very much depends on what Roy does. I think recording this po- podcast before having any real news about what Roy's going to decide to do is is, hey, we're we're kind of speculating here, but um one thing we do know is that Roy doesn't play around. Um, and the likelihood that he takes this lightly or lets things slide is very, very, very low.
0: And that's, that's where I was going to, going to end. in the podcast is that I have trust in Roy to make whatever decision is right, both, um, in the grand scheme of things and for the program. Um, And that my hope is that no one tests positive games are allowed to happen, whether they're with players suspended or reduced minutes or whatever, Um, is that nothing safety wise actually comes out of this. Um, Because I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't think any of us are so backwards that we want these players to get sick to prove a lesson. Of course not. Um, no, I don't think, I don't, I don't think that would
1: help anything. Uh, no, I genuinely, exactly. think, I genuinely think Roy Williams is going to make them feel that lesson, whether they get sick or not. Exactly. Um, and I uh, don't
0: want anyone to have to experience anything oh, more no. than what we've already seen. So many go through. So not. I hope everyone's tests negative. I hope this team is able to get back to normal activities and just regroup what of what they've had. Um, for the past few weeks. And that's, that's ultimately the, the hope that I have moving forward. And I think that we have moving forward. Um, but unless y'all have anything else to say, uh, that's going to be it from us here at the flight school podcast. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at flight underscore pod, and we'll hit you next week. Oh, actually, actually, Jonah, oh. since Turner, since since you weren't on the
2: uh, pro episode this week, Jonah, do you have any uh, did Turner give you any music suggestions this week? Yeah, he, he actually did. Um, he, he must have taken the week off last week because
1: he didn't allow me to give my suggestion uh, <laughs> from him uh, last week. But uh, I guess just to lighten the mood a little bit, uh, I'll go with um, one that Turner always sends me when I'm when I'm feeling blue. Uh, because he's a uh, you know a bit of a of, of a trunk bumping country boy himself, as you can hear <laughs> by his accent. Um, he loves himself some uh, some real true southern hip hop, and so over the last couple decades, it's gone here and there. But 2017, we got Big Crits forever is a mighty long time, which is, turns out to be Turner's favorite country rap album ever. And I know he's a UGK guy. I know he uh, is big into the ghetto boys and all sorts of stuff. So, um, yeah, maybe bury me in gold, you know, sweet potato with a gold crust, all that good stuff. Um, you know, shout out Meridian, Mississippi, third coast, you know.
0: Got to Got to Got to wrap the South. <laughs> all right. But that's really going to be it for y'all, uh, from us and y'all. Uh, I'm losing it over here, which means it's time to go. Thanks so much for listening. Be safe out there. Uh, see y'all next week. This episode sponsored by Turner's Great Clips
2: haircut. Be
1: safe out there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes.